Corona virus gonna kill us all. Icky boom boom day. Hola, folks. It is Mike Hofeld, the Fish Cake King, coming at you from the bunker. It is all going down. Holy fucking shit. Jesus fucking Christ, the world's going to, to hell in a handbasket. It's been a while since I, uh, been a couple weeks since I came at you. Last time the world was light and I was doing uh, the best gambling movies ever. Today, I'm just going to talk about a whole bunch of things in the world, <clears throat> you know, after Corona. Uh, I am in New Jersey, which is on lockdown. We've been on lockdown for a couple days. Um, it's been weird, I have to say. Like, uh, I, you know, I got worried about, you know, the virus uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I, I, you know, the, the first the first time that that I got a little freaked out was, you know, the the first time they mentioned asymptomatic asymptomatic. Uh, Transmission in China like a month ago or six weeks ago. It's a, I'll just add, isn't it weird how we've <clears throat> all learned this whole new vernacular in, in a month and we all have these, uh, you know, these deep things, uh, uh, not these deep things, but like a whole new vocabulary, like social distancing, asymptomatic, uh, hydrochloroquine, uh, wh- whatever it may be. Um, you know, the world is an entirely different place. You know, uh, I, to me, the, the you know the turning point was all that that one. I believe it was a Wednesday night where Trump spoke. Then immediately after that, Tom Hanks had coronavirus, and then Rudy uh, Gobert had it, and the NBA was canceled in forty eight hours. Everything was canceled, and it was over. Um, and then you know it's it's kind of just spiraled from there, which has been interesting. It's it's weird to live without sports. You know, I normally talk about sports, sports gambling, and uh, you know, it's not just not watching sports. It's like I, I I didn't realize how much time the actual sports talk arguments took up of my life. More so in the background, you know, just having first take on in the background or watching Pardon the Interruption or listening to podcasts that had related to what was happening in sports. Uh, you know, again, I, you don't know what you've got till it's gone type of thing. Um, you know, initially I was like, okay, cool. I always wanted to do this thing where I would do simulations of legendary NBA teams, you know, on uh, 2K, uh, NBA 2K, they have all these legendary teams, like, you know, the 86 Celtics, the um, 95 Bulls, uh, you know, the the whatever, the 15 uh, Warriors, the 11 Heat, and, and uh, you know, so I was like, all right, cool, I'll, I'll run some simulations, so I, I think I ran the, the you know, the, the Heat versus... No, I ran the like the '95 Bulls versus the '15 Warriors, and it was it wasn't that fun. <laughs> I, I thought it would be cool, and you know, I, I'd done it before, like kind of in the background, and didn't pay attention. But this time, I paid attention. It was like all ISO ball, and you know, you know, no screens, no ball movement, and uh, you know, basically the shot clock would run down, and Scottie Pippen would have the ball and just break even at the basket. And uh, watching Harrison Barnes shut down Scottie Pippen and Clay Thompson shut down Michael Jordan 
wasn't that fun. Um, I, I'm convinced that there are probably some settings on there that you could make better um, and, and be able to enjoy it. And, that you know, I don't want to sit here and take credit for it because it's a kind of an obvious idea. But, you know, I, I was doing this like the first couple of days of the you know, after sports shut down, not everybody is into the simulation mode. Uh, you know, some of the, the, some of the DFS sites are doing simulations. Some of the, the sports gambling sites are, are doing simulations. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen people say, oh, this is stupid. I think it's the only, the only way to go. Um, really? Like, I, I think that if, uh, somebody, you know, could figure out how to do it seriously, it'd be a lot of fun. Like, if they broadcast, you know, on a nightly basis, like a, a legendary game, had the real announcers call it, and uh, they work, work through the simulations. All right. All right. Russell obviously is not a fan of this. Russell says, no. Russ, what do you, what do you want? Hockey? Soccer? I'm not. What is it you want? All right. Obviously, it was soccer. So he's into soccer simulation. So I, you know, I think, you know, there's got to be an answer for sports. Uh, I don't think I'm, you know, I'm going to get into like the, the, my side of, of like where I think this is going and all, but you know, sports, there's such an integral part to what we do in life and, and the entertainment to so many people and just this communal experience that I feel they've got to come back sooner than later. Um, I know that if, I had, like, I'm surprised, like, like the XFL, like, Vince McMahon wasn't like, all right, let's take all our players to an island and let's play some games. I mean, he's, they're doing empty arenas for the WWE. Why not do empty arenas for football? Um, I, I think it's a hell of an opportunity for all sorts of people, like esports um, and the smaller leagues. I think the big three, the basketball you know, Ice Cube's Basketball League is going to do something in an empty arena with three-on-three three in the next couple of weeks smart. Like, shit, I mean, you know, out of chaos comes opportunity. And I think that that's something that you, you know, I, I do think that long-term there's going to be some interesting shit that comes out of all this uh, this madness. Uh, I, think, I think this is definitely a, an inflection point in society. I think, it, you know, not just with sports and and potentially new leagues and stuff, but I think you know, online education and, uh, um, you know, restaurant delivery, first-run movies, all these things are going to forever be changed. Um, forever. I mean, it's just not... Uh, I mean, I think that this, especially online education, is, is going to have its moment because you've literally put every teacher in the country on the job of how do you teach from online. So it's not just novel anymore. Um, and I've been pushing for a while that... Uh, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, online education is, is, can be the silver bullet to solving the problems with like student debt crisis and the, just, just how to get educate, you know, college to people at a much better cost, but you know, quality education, whatever. Anyway, back to the sport. So I like I, what I, like I, what I said about XFL, about getting an Island, like that's what I think the NBA should do is that I think they should get everybody in one city and, you know, they're going to have to wait a little bit and everybody's going to have to be cleared and whatever, but, and then just play all the games at one arena with one group of people, um, on a, a real controlled environment in an area, which is not a hot spot. And, 
you don't, I, I don't know exactly how you do it, but I, I think that's, the, I mean, that's the way to go about it. I mean, there's, n- if you're going to play in empty arenas, what the fuck's the point of traveling, right? Because, I mean, that's a big part of how you're going to transmit it and being on planes and airports and in hotels and whatever. Like, if you just took over one area, like, I mean, again, hotels are entirely empty. So, I mean, they could go to whatever. They could go to Las Vegas. Las Vegas is empty. They could just take, like, they could put the, in- this is a good idea. It's like, okay, so there's an arena. There are multiple arenas in in Las Vegas that could handle it. Just, okay, the MGM Grand. We're going to put the entire NBA at the MGM Grand, and we're going to hold games there nightly. That's it. You know, I don't want to say problem solved, but, like, I, I, I mean, how many people is it? Okay, so you have, let's just say it's 25 people per team. That's 32 teams, 700. So let's just say it's 1,000 people. Plenty of hotels. There's plenty of hotel rooms in uh, the MGM Grand to house every NBA player, every coach, every trainer. Um, you know, you need a lot less people as it relates to, like, you know, staffing because you're only running, running one arena and you can do, like, less with media people and all that other stuff. I think you could do it. I mean, I, I, you know, I think it'd be good for Vegas. I think it would be good for the NBA. There you go. I've solved it. So we have, we've now solved the NBA. We're going to move it all to either the Mandalay Bay, the MGM Grand, or whatever the other new arena is, which was where the Monte Carlo was. Again, we're done. There you go. We're going to have NBA back. I've, I've, I've solved the problem. Um, you know, to... Help me with my gambling fix. I have been day trading. Um, very dangerous. Don't recommend it. Um, I would say that I have a you know a much more uh, than a passing knowledge of investing. I've been doing it my whole life, and um, I've mentioned on here before, which is that you know I thought the stock market was going to do for a tumble. I didn't know how or what. Um, was going to cause it, and clearly nobody could really predict this six months ago or whatever. Um, so I, I was short in the market all of last year, got my ass kicked, and basically just gave up um, in December and January. So I missed it by about six weeks of making basically what well, I would have retired. Um, I had been semi-retired, and, you know, have to come out of retirement because I got my ass kicked so bad in the market. Um and then, uh, you know, I got a little, I didn't get rid of 100% of my position, so I got a little bit back. Um, but God, you know, yeah, it's not, not really how you want to do it. Um, you know, you don't want to root for bad things to happen, but the market is the market, the life is life. So I've been day trading and I've been learning more about, you know, option strategies and I'm not really great at it. Um, but I'm learning I and mean, it's hard. It's, it's really the hardest part I've found is, is knowing when to get out. Um, you know, you, you have to pick your exit strategy before you enter, um, which is not um, not that hard. It's like I, when I was just saying before, like, oh, you know, if uh, this had happened three, four months ago, it would have been retirement, life-changing money. I can't say that's true because that's if I went to sleep and didn't wake up during the whole process and woke up and the market just shat a bit. Because, you know, if, you're, if you've, let's say, made, 5x on your investment, you're going to sell and get out. And you, who knows that it's going to go to 50x or whatever. Um, it's hard. Like that's, that's, that's what I, you know, and the same thing goes for losses, which is, 
you know, I have a habit of cost averaging or doubling down. And, you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, in the way I've been investing, it would have worked all the time if I had uh, balls of steel to just keep holding. But, again, it's it's not easy. And I, I purely trade almost entirely uh, NASDAQ futures, which hasn't necessarily been the right thing. Um, but, again, you know, make a few bucks here, make a few bucks there. It's, it's, it's nice. Um, it reminds me of like when I used to play online poker where it's like you could, you know, make whatever, a few hundred, few thousand, uh, whatever it may be in, in an hour, um, in the morning. And then, you know, you feel all good, you go have lunch, you do whatever, you come back in the afternoon, you, you know, in 15 minutes, you blow all the money you made plus more. And you're like, uh, then you're miserable for a day. So I, I, it definitely has been filling my gamble. Um, and, and, and my learning quotient, um, I've accepted the fact that I am playing against people who are much, much better than me. Um, you know, there are just many smarter people. I, I was just watched, uh, there were two podcasts that uh, Brandon Adams did, one with Empire Maker, um, the other with Jason Strausser, who's a former poker player and now an options trader. And, you know, it's just when you hear professional option traders talk, you're just like, God, I know nothing. Um, you know, it's true in so many different things. I mean, poker and daily fantasy sports and in sports betting, it's like, you know, you can be top 10% and still be a dog to, to make money. Um, it's just, it's just the way it is. I mean, some markets aren't the one thing I say about the, the stock market, which is really weird versus years ago is that, you know, there's no rake anymore. Like, I mean, all the, all the fees are gone. You have to pay some fees on, on options, but it's tiny, tiny, you know, when I was young, like, I remember they would charge you up to 5% of a trade on the way in and out. I know that sounds insane. Like, that's pre-internet. Like, how did anybody ever make money? I know in Nate Silver's book, he talks about how you could have made money, uh, you know, basically saying the strategy of if the market was down yesterday, you say it's going to go up the next day. So you just bet the opposite. You would you would show a profit, but the, you would have lost in the past because of, of fees. Now there are no fees. So I don't even know if that's true. So, I mean, I think you, you almost could. Um, I, I don't know. Um, but, again, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, while I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm, my Instacart shoppers out there putting my shit in the basket. That's, you know, again, a weird thing. Like, I, where I live right now in southern New Jersey is not the, has not adopted a lot of the high-tech options of places that I've lived before, um, you know, so, you know, Instacart here is like, there's, it just came here, so there aren't a lot of people using it, and, uh, and in all honesty, I hadn't used it much before, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to the idea, and, and if anybody's using it now, it's like, you order a whole bunch of shit, and it's like, half of it gets replaced by something else and half of it they don't have. And, um, you know, uh, but it beats going to the, to the, you know, the supermarket, especially at times like this. And, you know, I have, uh, you know, both my parents are in their seventies, so they fall in the range of not where you want to be. Uh, my parents are divorced. So my dad lives in, in Boca and, and here half the year, but he's in Boca Raton right now. My mom lives up here. So, you know, I worry about them more than anybody, you know, more than myself. Um, and it's, you know, getting my dad to, 
stay in in Florida. It's just impossible. Like, I have to yell and scream at him. And my mom, I think I convinced her. So, like, my mom, like, the reason I bring it up is because, like, I ordered her groceries through Instacart. And I'll bring them to her so she doesn't even have to deal with anybody but me. Uh, yeah, it's a fucked up fucking world, man. Uh, you know, it's amazing how how much we took for granted a few weeks ago and now how crazy it is. Now, you know, from the the isolation standpoint, I, I know there are many of you out there that are similar. I'm finding out more and more is that it, this really isn't that different for me. Uh, other than the inability to play golf uh, at will and to really order food at will, um, you know, I, I kind of can order food at will, but I just don't, you know, I'm trying to minimize it, uh, the interaction, but like it doesn't change my life that much. I mean, I didn't go out that much. Um, you know, I won't date or anything like that. I, I tried to last week. I went out on a date for like an hour and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to drop you off and go home. This fucking feels too weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird, weird time. Um, you know, I've been on Twitter and, uh, losing my mind a bit, uh, about coronavirus. Um, coronavirus, uh, you know, listen, I have spent my life messing with numbers and I am no by, by no means a genius with numbers, but it's just, just always been what I, you know, got into, uh, data and, and kind of like incomplete data. So like looking at things where they haven't been entirely figured out is my thing and watching all these people try to interpret data is driving me up a wall. Because there are almost no apples to apples. People are like, oh, look at Italy, look at Germany, look at, look at South Korea, look at uh, China, look at Singapore, let's look at the, the temperature and whatever. And I'm like, you know, there are so many factors that, yes, in the future, like six months, a year from now, we'll be able to look back and, at the data and go, oh, okay, it was this or it was that. But, you know, the amount of when testing is done, like whether it's done on symptomatic or asymptomatic people has a huge impact on the mortality rate um, and the spread rate. I mean, which is like basically, I believe, proven out by Germany and uh, and South Korea. And then, you know, when you do quarantining, the level of quarantining uh, and social distancing, when it happens, like, you know, how much. So, uh, again, it, it drives me up a wall to uh, watch people. Uh, create these narratives based on cherry picking data, and and I have no, I have you know, I, I just said, oh, you know, you look at you know, Germany and South Korea. I really don't know, um, and anybody who tells you that they know exactly what's going to happen is 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 wrong. Um, you know, I'm, I came into this not the biggest fan of Donald Trump to begin with. I'll, I'll be honest about that, um, but. It's gone to a new level. Like I, I you know, I really, uh, you know, if you're a supporter of Trump, like I, I can get it. Where you were four years ago, I grew up in Lake City. I knew what kind of huckster he was. I knew, I knew he was a liar, and I knew more about him personally than most people were did um, going into the last election. And I get that. And not everybody's going to have the same personal experience and shade in different ways. But you know, if you're still behind this guy now, I don't know what to tell you. Like, seriously, they, they, he knew that this could happen. Like, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Um, and I, I wasn't going to tell you this absolutely was going to happen, but being in a position of power two months ago, I would have said, you know what, 
uh, it's a good idea for us to double our supply of masks and protective gear and look into how we would get more ventilators. It's like what I did. I ordered canned food and, and powdered drinks a month ago. I was like, hey, what's the worst going to happen? I'm going to have extra and I'll, you know, I'll donate the, the canned food at the end of the year or uh, whatever. I won't buy uh, some, you know, have extra Advil for our, that's my problem here with, with, you know, there, there's no arguing the fact that he fucked this up. Um, he's going to try to deflect and say, you know, he has a great ability to take something that's 1% true and make it seem like 100%. Well, I didn't get rid of the pandemic team. Okay, all right, I got rid of 95% of the pandemic team, but I didn't get rid of the whole pandemic team, but he doesn't include that in a statement. And listen, I, you know, normally you want to be a Republican, you want, you want, you have certain beliefs, whether, you know, it's pro, pro-life, uh, pro-gun, whatever. I mean, the, all those things I can res- I can respect. I cannot respect ineptitude and a, a complete lack of leadership. Um, and this is where it matters, is that is it in a time where you have to take losses, where the idea is, you know, his initial statement is, we have 15 cases, and soon they'll be gone, you know, and he didn't want to test because he didn't want to go up. You, you know, in this situation, he just said, listen, things can get rough, but we're going to get through this, and we're going to be proactive, and I'm going to work with everybody. Every step of the way, all he's tried to do was make the market go up and deflect the numbers and try to blame it on somebody else. That's not what leadership is. You know, leadership is telling you things, you know, making tough decisions that aren't going to be popular for, for the better men of everybody and be able to get people to do things even when they don't necessarily want to. <clears throat> and what can I tell you? You know, uh, I know at this point that it's almost impossible to convince somebody who supports Trump to go the other way. I'm not, listen, I'm not here telling you that somebody, you know, Biden is better than this or that. I'm not a big Biden fan, but, you know, I am, I think Biden would, you know, bow to the experts. Like one of the things that I recommended for Trump was that he go out and he would never do this, but bring in uh, George W. Bush and uh, Barack Obama to be his, his, uh, the head of his coronavirus task force, because this way he's completely politically agnostic He's saying, listen, these guys have dealt with shit in the past. I mean, W didn't do so great, um, but but it doesn't matter. It's just like saying, here, I, I'm going to reach out to everybody to make this, uh, to solve this problem. I have, you know, there is no no politics in this. That We're all one, and we're just going to solve this. Didn't happen, not going to happen. Um, Trump's not getting reelected. Um, he's just not. Uh, you know, as far as, like, I was talking to people about betting sums of money on it. It's like, there's no point. Uh, I'm just shorting the market. Um, if I want to bet, you know, I, I, you know, I'm hedging with some way out of the money calls. But, you know, I have no need uh, to bet any further on it because I've got enough money on the stock market. But I just can't foresee it. Um, I think the ads are going to be too easy. I mean, listen, I, if, if I can't even pronounce it, hydrochloricin, and arrhythmia pack if those that combination works and we're able to treat this and Trump was behind it, yeah, he could win the, the election. That's the only way, is if he can pull a rabbit out of the hat and figure out a way to treat it. I don't know. I, I, I think that's highly, highly unlikely. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, all those people that are trying to put money on, on Trump to win the election. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do it in any circumstance. I would just, I'd bet the market. There's no way he wins if the market stays as low as it is. 
Um, the S&P has erased all of the gains of his presidency, all of them. It's insane. And, you know, they people want to talk about, like, this V-shaped recovery and a boomerang. It's never happened. <laughs> it's never happened. If you look at every other crash, it takes usually somewhere between four and ten years to get back to all-time highs. So, um, you know, that's that sucks. And, again, not a lot of the stuff is like, uh, you know, I'm agnostic. I don't. Like I said, I, I'm not a big fan of Trump, but I'm not rooting for the virus to get rid of him. I'm not rooting for the market to tank. Um, when I was betting on the market to tank, it was just because I thought that's what was going to happen, and I was trying to make money, not because that's what I wanted to have happen. Um, and I had gotten to a point, again, why I, why I stopped was uh, that I, I was convinced that, that that I just didn't know anything, that, that, that uh, my logic had failed. And, and, you know, basically what it came down to is that with interest rates as low as they were, Nobody was going to put their money anywhere else. They weren't going to put their money in bonds um, or CDs. Just, you just were getting no return. If you look at getting 3% on a bond versus getting 15% in the S&P, um, what are you going to do? And then, like, you know, they kept lowering the fees. It was just a way of feeding the beast. And it was like, a, like I saw no way out. Uh Talking to my Instacart shopper because they're out of chicken. Um. Anyway, that's you know again that's Trump. I mean, there so that's so where we are today is that you know it's the there's forty something thousand cases. I live in New Jersey, which has the second most cases in the country behind New York. It's basically New York, which has a bazillion, then New Jersey, uh, um, and then. You know, then Washington, which was the original uh, place. So, they're, they're, you know, I live in southern New Jersey, which the last count I saw, my county only had five cases. But, I mean, it's going to get where it's going to get. Um, but, I, you know, I've had a, you know, again, the, the, viewing this whole thing through the, uh, the lens of Twitter has been interesting. Um, and watching different people at different levels respond to this has been uh, illuminating. You know, one person particularly that caught my eye uh, was Elon Musk. I, I like Elon Musk. I have, you know, always been a fan of what he's done and, you know, whatever. He can get into, you know, Tesla and was overvalued or whatever. But, I mean, again, inventing shit that hasn't existed before and, and, and doing unique stuff. Um, but, you know, he had weighed in on this crisis by saying, you know, panic is dumb, um, you know, and which it is dumb, but that's not a reassuring thing in these times. You know, when you're, uh, I get it that you lost, you know, <laughs> over $10 billion in the market in a, in a week. Um, but again, leadership and intellect and empathy could just be like, hey, listen, um, panic is not going to help you. Caution helps, action helps, panic does not. Um, that's not what he was saying. And then, you know, he he, he continued to double down, um, including, you know, basically saying, you know, that look at the numbers in Italy. They have, this was a week ago, that they started to recess. And they had. Um, and again, um, not, they may have as of now. I mean, there looked like there might have been a, a, you know, the numbers might have started to top out in Spain and Italy. Um, but there there is this thing where, in both of those places that on the weekends, the numbers seem to go down. I don't know why that would be. 
Um, but uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm I don't have a monopoly on 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 the answers. But uh, when people like Elon Musk, uh, they have such a pulpit that I just think you know, being uh, so laissez faire or, or not laissez faire is the wrong word, but just uh, willy nilly with with these major things is a problem when you're in position of power. And then he was challenged to, and I. You know, again, I amongst probably a bazillion other people said, "Why don't you fucking build ventilators?" Uh, two weeks ago, and you know, his answer was, "You know, no," for a while, and then he was like, uh, "All right, well, I'm going to look into it, but we're not going to need them." And it's like, again, why can't you just say, like, who that word is? Like, I'm going to try to help, um, but I hope we don't need them. Why do you have to say we won't need them? You don't fucking know. And it, it just, it's just irresponsible to say shit like that. I get it when you want to say shit about your stock price and stuff. That's irresponsible in a different way. This is playing with people's lives. And I just think it's, you know, it makes him an asshole. So now, I, again, I may, I never thought he was going to do it. Now he says that he, they're, as of yesterday, he said as of today, they will produce 1,200 ventilators. But the problem is they have to get them shipped and installed and whatever. I hope he's not full of shit. I hope that... He did do that, and if he could produce 1,200 ventilators in a week, that, you know, I think the whole country had 50,000, so that's an increase of 2% in a week, so that means in a month that he could increase the, 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 the total ventilators in the country by, by 10%, and probably, you know, if he really is doing this, he could probably double that quickly. Um, the guy was sleeping on the floors to, of his factories to get cars out, maybe do the same thing for ventilators, okay? Uh, I, again, I hope he has an epiphany, and I hope you know that the that Twitter is just not a window into his soul. It's just him just firing off tweets between landing rockets on platforms and shit. So I don't know. Um, again, he pissed me off, uh, and, but I will absolutely happily eat crow if he starts delivering ventilators and helping out because that's all. I, that's all I want. I wish I could do that. You know, uh, I tried to look up um, some DIY ventilator stuff, and again, I. I, I don't know my ass from my elbow when it comes to engineering. Um, I would help in any way that I can. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I've made most of my money, spent my entire life in the travel business, um, travel digital media. And, uh, you know, these days I still do some consulting. And as of yesterday, my last consulting client, I, you know, basically, uh, I didn't even resign. And they called me up and I was like, listen, you know, <laughs> I get it. Um, I'm going to work for free for you uh, till this uh, till this kind of resolves itself. That's the very least that I can do is uh, work for company uh, for companies that uh, are experiencing problems. I mean, this company is their sales is down 85 percent. Went from doing 2,000 airline tickets a day uh, to doing 300. So, uh, you know, wh- what do you what do you say to that? Um, you know, they're they're trying to figure it out. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to sit there with them, and I think there are some opportunities going forward. But it's nuts. It's nuts. And, that you know, that leads me into kind of the bailouts. So right now, as we sit here today, they're still trying to figure out the stimulus package, um, $1.5 trillion, $2 trillion. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm my, and they're going back and forth, and they're playing politics, saying, you know, the Democrats are standing in the way, and uh, Democrats are saying that Republicans are, are trying to make this uh, – you know, all about the pork. Like, I don't understand if you agree on 80% of it, why not just take the 80% and pass that, get that to the people, and then argue on the 20% later. I don't understand you people. Like, uh, 
it makes no it makes no sense. So, uh, you know, I, I hate at times like this them playing politics. And if you look at the the way that the Republicans structured the bailout, it's it's first of all they're not giving neither side is giving enough information. They're not they're not telling you exactly where, where it's going to go to, how much it's going to go to the people, how much it's going to go to the corporations, how much it's going to go to small business, and in what method. Um, you know, but the, 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 you know, again, I, that's what I would like to, I'd like to data. I'd like to be able to see the information and then weigh in. Um, the only major piece of information got was that 500 billion was going to go to the treasury department, which would be used to bail out big business at the discretion of the treasury department. So basically Mnuchin's going to be able to be a death panel for businesses and say, you know what? I like the guy who owns Carnival Cruise Line. Here's 50 billion. I don't like the guy who runs JetBlue. You get nothing. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what he would do, but let's just say that he just picked a set of data that supported his decision and just said, oh, you know, we're going to do it based off of cash shortflow, uh, short, you know, shortfall, or we're going to do it, you know, percentage of total revenue in a, in a business. Whatever, you know, uh, way that they go is, is, you know, you can always find facts to defend your decision, but if your decision ends up being about uh, politics or or whatever your own vested interest, um, the concept of you know Trump having hotels and being and being bailed out, I don't I don't you know what I I don't I don't mind um, you know what. I know people are like, oh, he shouldn't line his pockets. I, I just think, you know, it, what should happen is he should, and again, Mnuchin should not be doing this either because he's too closely tied, but they should say, okay, is it really the hotel industry? We're going to outsource this because there's, um, you know, some conflicts of interest and that the Trump properties are going to get certainly no, you know, no special treatment. Um, that's it. Like, again, I'm not, uh, he's in the hotel business. The hotel business needs to be bailed out. He just shouldn't get anything better than anybody else or anything worse. Would it be great if he's like, hey, I'm super rich and I'm not going to take any money from the from the country or I'm going to do it in a way where I'm only going to take loans and I'm going to, you know, and, and step up? That, that would be great too, but that's not going to happen. But I, I think getting too hung up on the fact that he could be helped out by this is stupid. Um, you know, uh, again, I've been in the travel business for a long time and, and this is, you know, magnitudes worse than 9-11. Um, for the travel business. It's not close. Um, I mean, it took Vegas, I think, seven years to come back from 9-11. Uh, six or seven. Um, and I don't and I, I, I don't even know how you come back from this. Uh, looking at them individually, like, the so, like, airlines, cruises, casinos, hotels. Um, hotels, I, you know, I, they're starting to talk about this, but the hotels should be just selling properties to the government, um, for cash that they can use for hospitals. And then when it's just done, the, the, the government can sell them back to the hotel companies or do something with them. It's a way for the country to actually get assets for the money we're putting out and also solve a medical problem. It's not, it's not, that, it's not rocket science. Do it. Um, and you can also do the same thing for, for cruise ships. You can use the cruise ships as, as regular hospitals or just quarantine, which is what they want. They could do with hotels. It's not about, you don't have to turn the hotels into, to hospitals, but you can turn them into places where people can self quarantine. So they don't have to go back to their families and infect their families and create these clusters. Again, there are some simple solutions here that I don't understand why we're not, 
uh, taking advantage of. And I, I think that that's where leadership would be a big thing. Um, so, you know, bailing out casinos, man, I, I mean, I can't see bailing out casinos. I mean, again, it's just like... It, the real question here is like, okay, if you don't bail some, for all companies, if you don't bail them out, what happens, right? Um, if you don't bail them out, they go bankrupt. Do they shutter their doors and never open again? Or does, do they go chapter 11, reorganize, uh, deal with their uh, creditors and, and uh, you know, continue to operate? Like, you know, in 2008, uh, I made a big bet on General Motors because I was like, General Motors is never going out of business um, and I'm going to take this money and when they stay in business, these options, I'm going to roll this up and whatever. And I lost because GM went bankrupt. But GM didn't go out of business. Uh, and, and, uh, and the government bailed them out. I mean, they didn't bail them out. They lent them money. Um, you know, that's a way to look at it. With, with the casinos, like, I just, I, I, I think, you, I think there, there are too many casinos and I think you let them go. Um, and I think I think that that, that you, you just don't need to prop it up. If a casino should exist, it'll exist. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, there 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 are two things you're worried about with businesses. Um, you're worried about the the workers, the you know, the entire staff uh, first. So just saying, oh, okay, casinos they they employ hundred thousand people, um, or and then you worry about the shareholder equity, which is basically, you know, what about all the people who own the stock that's going to go to zero uh, because of this? Now, I think you have to protect the workers first and the equity second, uh, mainly because of of the cascading effect on the economy, which is we're going to face something that could be like 30% unemployment if this doesn't get figured out. And I don't think you can survive 30 I don't. I don't know how society uh, survives 30% unemployment. Um, I'll get into that a little bit in the Kobayashi Maru scenario. So I think that I think there are deals to be struck with all these companies where they have assets and they have equity and that, you know, I'm not for socialism, but in times like this, if you need money to survive and you need the government, the government could come in and take an equity position. Um, or at least if it's going to loan you money, um, that it goes against assets that they have the first right to get, which is, okay, if you own your, whatever you own, um, if you got a business, the government gets to keep it, and then we can sell it to somebody to try to, you know, regain the money we let somebody. Um, so that, you know, I hope, I think that's true of all these, so that there should be some deal strike. The idea of just giving money, just handing grants out to these businesses is absurd. Um, that just makes no sense. You don't just hand money away. You can either loan it or you can get something for it. There's no, you just cannot hand money away. You just can't. You just can't. And, and anytime we've done it in the past, it's wrong too. Um, and I know that it, there's been a lot of conversation about stock buybacks. And, you know, stock buybacks are uh, a bunch of bullshit um, for a lot of reasons. Um, let's use United for example, which is United, I believe, is worth about eight billion right now, seven eight billion. In the last four years, they've given out they've they've bought seven billion dollars in stock buybacks. So, you know, that really just 
inflates the value of their company. It makes the shares worth more. It, it, but they, they literally could just have the, that $7 billion sitting in the bank and the stock be worth half as much. So, and it wouldn't be, be worth, again, it's just, it's fucked up because uh, then they would have a lot of the money that they would need to get through this. Now, there's another angle there, which is like, hey, stock buybacks are one way of dealing with profits. They're a good tax way of, of getting around stuff. And they've also been tied to executive bonuses. They could have just given it out in dividends. So you have to look at it like the option other than stock buybacks wasn't just keeping the money in the bank. You know, there were other ways that this money would just not be there. And in most case scenarios, it's just, you're not going to keep that much money in cash. So, but I do think that you have to look at that in relation to how you uh, offer bailouts, which is to say, you know, United, okay, you, your company should be, you know, you know we're going to, you want, you need 8 billion. Well, you should have had that 8 billion. Uh, or your shareholders should have, and they could have been, you know, could have been a capital call or whatever. It's not happening in a big public company like that, but whatever. Um, so, you know, you need eight billion. Your company's worth eight billion. We're going to take fifty percent ownership. You can buy it back, you know, fifty percent at this price in the future, um, plus interest or whatever. Um, but uh, that's that's you know the way that I would go about it is that you ha there has to be something tied to this. Um, so it's just not this this fucking free roll, and um, you know, and it has there has to be transparency. They talked about you know the five hundred billion dollars. They wouldn't release what they did for six months. Why the fuck would that be true? Why would you hide it for six months? What in the fucking world is that? This is this is taxpayer money, um, theoretically. Either you know it's money that we have or we're gonna owe. Um, how how do you shield it for six months? How is that defensible? I don't understand how that's defensible. That they don't have to tell you where the money goes. I, again, I, I don't even know what to say. And I think, you know, you do have to ask yourself if some of these industries are saveable. Like, I don't know if the cruise industry is saveable, salvageable. I mean, I don't know if, the, if I would uh, be sinking a lot of money. Again, there's other things with the cruise companies where they, you know, they don't fly U.S. flags, so they don't have to pay, American, you know, U.S. taxes. And if you don't fly U.S. flags, you don't pay American taxes. I ain't giving you American dollars. So that's that's not a problem. Um, you know, so casinos, are they really vital interest? I think they'll figure it out. Airlines, okay, they're a bunch of greedy fucks. I think you bail them out, but you you take an equity position. Cruises, I, I, I think you just let them go or you lend them some money against the boats and then you, you take the boats if, if they can't, can't get it done. Hotels, you buy some hotels, you free some cash, you or you pre-purchase uh, hotel rooms for the government for the future, which is to say, okay, you know, government sends, spends this much money on the travel. Uh, we're not spending it right now, but we'll give it to you, but we're going to want hotel rooms in the future. If you get creative, I understand why we can't. Um, so that's my opinion on that. So the final thing I want to talk about is, is Kobayashi Maru. Um, for those of you who don't know what Kobayashi Maru is, and I think I've mentioned it more before on podcasts, is it is from Star Trek. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm a little bit of a nerd, but not a super nerd, but I've always loved this kind of thing, which is it was a test at Starfleet, uh, for future cadets where in training, where they were presented with a no win situation where they were either going to have to, you know, you either X number of people on this ship were going to have to die or, uh, 
or you know x number of people on that planet are going to die there's just there was just no way to avoid mass casualties and there was no win um in the in the show in the movie uh captain kirk hacked into the system and figured out a way to cheat and then he created a win situation which hey if uh, somebody can figure out a way to do it here great but i think we're in a no-win situation going forward you know what this relates to specifically is the argument that i i predicted was going to come about and started to come back which is that um uh that people start talking about when to reopen the the economy and when to get rid of the the lockdown um and you know the 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 argument is is you know they've they've put it as the cure cannot be more uh negative than the cure can't be worse than the disease meaning like the way that we solve the virus can't cause more problems and they're there it's a cruel and uh, argument which basically and you know this is why they've been putting out this 15 days shit because at the end of 15 days they're gonna they're gonna want to figure out how to open up the economy because there are too many people that don't want their lives ruined by this that really don't think they can die from it um and that's putting it kind of bluntly which is you know and i've seen it from from a variety of people who are either liberal or conservative or wherever. If you, you know, there are a lot of people who make one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a year in a, in a good upscale business. Um, that, you know, oh yeah, you know, they're not the people who are living paycheck to paycheck, but they feel they've built, a, you know, their whole life, and that in these few months, their whole lives will be destroyed. Which, um, not necessarily, they will have no money. Which who knows how much money people have to survive. Um, but you know, this business or the stature that they've spent their lives, uh, creating just won't be there when they go back. You're a lawyer, you're a, you know, high end salesperson, whatever. It's like, it'll create absolute fucking chaos. Um, I, you know, they're talking about 30% unemployment, 20%. I mean, the, the unemployment, uh, the, the number of people who filed for unemployment last week was higher than at any point during the 2008 uh, crash. Um, so that's the beginning. Um, and you know, that there, you know, there are stats that say for every 1% of unemployment, um, 45,000 people die. Um, if you did have 20 or 30% unemployment and they may be pushing those numbers because they want to run these stats, which basically say, Oh, you know, if we have 30% unemployment, same thing as killing a million people. Um, so if we save a million people this way, but we kill a million people that way, well, and you know, basically if, Kobayashi Maru. If both scenarios kill a million people, don't you want the scenario in which the economy is not dead afterwards? Um, it's coming. This argument is coming. And I don't really have an answer to it because I don't think they're wrong. Um, I just, I just, you know, the thing that gets you, get you really worked up is the fact that this could have been avoided. If we had just been a little proactive, if we had really tested as soon as we could, those two weeks, just two weeks that we fucked up with the tests where um, we, you know, we didn't refuse tests, but we basically said we wanted our own. They were looking for ways to make money off of it, and they just didn't want to accept it. Like, that's where you're going, you know, again, it's revisionist history. It's like those two weeks are the difference of potentially crashing the economy or killing millions of people. Um, and... You know, it sucks now because I, again, I have two parents that are right in this age range, and I, I don't know 
like I don't want my parents to die. I love my parents, and I don't. And I'm, I'm certainly, you know, I'm not going to be for opening up the economy for that exact reason. Um, you know, I don't. You know, I, I don't really. I'm not in the same position as other people, so uh, you know, I, I'm I'm really just uh, looking to. Uh, you know, I'm, I am looking at my own interests, but I'm also trying to be empathetic about everybody else's interest in this situation. And, 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 and again, trying to be, ju- I'm not trying to be judgmental. The people I'll be judgmental are of, of the people who are causing greater problems here. Um, even having this conversation about, you know, the economy versus, you know, uh, you know, what's going to hurt more is like, this is where leadership and trust is important, which is if you don't trust the motives of the person who's telling you this, um, then you're going to, you know, question whether it's accurate or not and or, or the way that they're going to go about it, which is, again, like you can go into the bailouts. It's like, let's protect the people first. And the reason I want to protect the people first is not beyond just it being the right thing to do. It's what will save the economy. Rich people can lose money. Um, poor people can't. If you lose all your customers, um, you cre- you're just going to create a fucking revolution. Um, you know, people in the streets, I mean, I don't know if it's going to get to that level, but it is on the table now. And you can't tell me these, you know, crazy uh, things are off the table now because nobody would have nobody would have thought where we are today um, was ever possible. No sports, uh, you know, no gatherings, locked in your house. Um, and nobody would have thought this. Uh, I mean, people would have thought it, but you get my point. It's like I can think of it. Uh, I could have thought of it a few weeks ago. I didn't think it would happen. It's the same way I feel about, you know, revolution in the streets. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's on the table. And it's the argument that has to be, is going to be had at the end of this week. It just is, um, you know, at the end of these 15 days. And, you know, the way you go about it, okay, so basically old people um, are still not going to leave their homes. You're sick. You don't leave your homes. The key is really if you could get a ton of testing out there, um, in a real easy and quick fashion, which is just imagine a scenario in which you got a case, you know, a hundred box of coronavirus tests and you would take one every morning and see if you had it and go out into the world. And also that everybody would be wearing masks and gloves because, um, you would just assume that everybody's contagious. So if we had a ton of tests, we had all the tests that we needed and we had all the masks and glove that we needed, we could kind of definitely mitigate the transfer of, the disease to other people and that, you know, you kept the infirmed and, and the old under much greater quarantine and let everybody else go back to work. I don't know. I don't know what it does <clears throat> to the healthcare system. I don't know if it, it still gets overloaded. I mean, that's why, like, you know, putting these things into place of producing a shit ton more masks and protection, personal protection stuff, and then uh, uh, getting more ventilators out there and, uh, you know, uh, that it matters. Like, because if you could rush all these things to market, then you, like, opening up the economy uh, is much more defensible and and the death rates would be lower and, and then the impact on the economy is less and we kind of have a chance of getting back to something resembling normal. Like, I don't think normal is coming anytime soon. Uh, but, um, you know, this, the sooner the... the the better. I just, I personally don't think we could stand three months of shutting down the economy. We're, we're the world's largest economy. 
Uh, I think the GDP is like seven trillion. I just can't. I, the world can't take it. Um, it's it's going to be it'll be absolute chaos, and we can't just like you know. I'm looking at these the the bail where they're going to send twelve hundred dollars to people. The fuck is that going to cover? Um, really? Like, I mean, that's the point. Is like, uh, you know, if you're planning on being shut down for months. The, the, the plan has to be, like, it has to be UBI. It has to be giving people a few thousand dollars a month for the next few months. You can't, like, all the money's got to go to the people. Um, it'll work its way back to the, 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 the corporations. But um, saving corporations without saving the people just it doesn't work. So um, it, it's why I just don't, I just think that, it's going to be one of these really tough decisions and, and where Trump's credibility just just does not work. Um, where he's basically going to say, we're going to let people die because they're going to die either way and we're better off dying with some semblance of an economy. And he's, a, you know, he's looked at as a corporate shill who only cares about money in the markets. And, you know, even though it might be the right decision, it's not going to come. It's not going to land well for a lot of people in this country. And again, I'm... Don't like Trump. Don't like the way he's handled this. This decision, which again put people that I love dearly in jeopardy, may have may be the right decision, and I, I don't like it. Um, and you know, I think I think very poorly of him, and I think bad things should happen to him and all the people that have have helped support him because you've this is what you got has put us in a position where we're going to have to choose between an economy and our and our parents. Um, and that doesn't take away from making the right decision. But when this is all said and done, you want to vote for this guy. You're my enemy. You, you, you are my enemy. You want to vote for low, low taxes, no abortion. I'm all for that. But you cannot vote for incompetence that put people's lives in, chain, in danger. Just, it's, just, it's, it's absolutely you know, against what I stand for as a person. It's logic. Just simple fucking logic. And, 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 you know, get, get your fucking head out of your ass. If you're on the fence, good God, I could care less about Joe Biden. You could, you could put a fucking 12-year-old in office and do better than Trump because they wouldn't do the damage. They'd just be like, I don't know. Here, let's get somebody who knows. Um, and they don't have the fucking ego of this fucking moron. Um, all right. I've rambled on for a long time. And, uh, and I have tons of thoughts on this stuff. And, 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 and you know, what I'm saying... All this stuff changes all the time, meaning like, uh, you know, there are things that impact this. You know, if there's some sort of advancement in any of the things, testing, uh, equipment, um, treatment, it's going to change everything. So, uh, and I hope all those good things happen. I really do. I hope, I don't care who saves us. Um, you know, I don't care who, uh, uh, you know, if, if Trump finds a fucking you know, a solution for this and whatever, I will happily eat crow and pat him on the back and watch him win four more terms as president. Um, because that's how big a deal this is. I, I think that if we fuck this up in the next two to four weeks, it's going to be with us for at least a decade. Um, and, you know, people don't want, can't, it's hard to even fathom that. I know. Um, it's hard for me to fathom that. I'm just throwing numbers out there, and they're based on some fact. But I, you know, that's what I anticipate. I mean, these numbers are worse than the Great Depression. Um, and I didn't live through a Great Depression. I lived through, you know, 2001. I lived through 2008. 
um, and I saw what it did. And again, it was recoverable. It was tough. There was 2008 was scary. Obviously, 2001 was too. It was just a different, a different thing. Um, but this is far worse. And I hope we get through it. And I hope that you know the adults in the room stand up. And uh, you know. When this is all said and done in a little bit, and I hope it's behind us, then we can get the mob out to lynch the folks. Um, because that's what I want to do, but I know that there's no value in that right now. So, all right, I'm going to end on that note. Now, I'm going to try to do more podcasts. You listen, I love you. If you don't, hey, at least I get to vent like this. You know what I'm saying? So, um, stay safe. Don't be stupid. Stay home. It's not the worst fucking thing in the world. Uh, you know, be logical. Uh, try to be nice to people uh, as best you can. Tip your, your delivery drivers as much as you can afford. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll all get through this together. Love you guys. Take care. I'm out.